Welcome to Episode 9 of the Foundations of Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Horgan, and thank you for joining us. Our game plan is to present positive sports stories and the people who impact and lead by their actions on and off the field. One of the reasons we started this podcast is to interview the people who help others through sports. Rewind to 1938, a very turbulent time in the world. There was a cyclist from Italy named Gino Bartoli. He had just won the Tour de France, and for cyclists, that's like winning the Super Bowl or the World Series. But his country was about to take a turn for the worse. Italy was about to be invaded by German forces. Mussolini and Hitler had made an alliance, but it was Gino, one of the many people to stand up to these evil men and their regimes. Gino was called to Cardinal Della Costa's residence in Assisi and became part of an underground network of people who saved many Jewish people during the Holocaust through securing documents, shelter, and food. He used his bike in a very ingenious way, and we will find out more about that today. Gino put himself and his family at great risk and danger, and he defines the words hero. His actions saved many. When the Allied forces freed Italy, Gino was part of the 1948 Tour de France. To quote Eileen and Andres McConnell in their book Road to Valor, the 1948 tour would be heralded as the first truly European tour of the post-world era. Conditions of snow, ice, rain did not stop him, and he did win the 1948 Tour de France, a second-time winner. But more importantly, he helped unite his country after the war. While researching Gino and his story, I came upon today's guest, Jonathan Freeman. Jonathan was the founder of Team Gino Bartoli. Today, we find out how a visit to his barbershop nearly four years ago in New York City and a chance encounter on that day led to his creation of Team Gino Bartoli. Jonathan and his team keeps Gino's legacy alive through charity cycling events as well as working hard to get Gino's heroic story across the world. He talks about how an idea to retrace Gino's path on a bike led him to teaming up with the Israeli national cycling team for a memorable and epic ride from Florence to Assisi. Jonathan also shares with us his writings of comparing cycling to life and the many lessons that can be learned from sports. Sit back and enjoy the episode with Jonathan Freeman. We welcome Jonathan Freeman to the Foundations of Sports. Jonathan, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. My pleasure. November 10th, 2014, you walk into your barbershop in Times Square. Tell us what happened next. Well, it was, seemed like a day that would be like any other. Uh, I've been going to that same barber for 20 years on and off, and he, he knew me from kind of when I was a youngster, um, and he always... We always had a nice relationship. I kind of, you know, think of him like an elderly uncle. Um, he was always looking out for me, giving me advice. If my hair grew too long, he was always telling me I should always look good. And um, anyway, so we had a nice relationship. And um, just at that same time, there was um, uh, a man by the name of Joe Perella, who's a, a very famous Wall Street, um, a legendary Wall Street figure. And he had made a documentary called My Italian Secret. It was kind of just coming out at that time. And the barber leans over to me and he says, uh, you know, would you like to meet him? He's making a documentary on Italians who saved Jews in the Holocaust. And I didn't know anything about the topic. And it was, of course, you know, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. Uh, not from Italy, but just, uh, you know, so the Holocaust was a sub- definitely a subject they knew a lot about. Um, and And then he introduced me and um, you know, he, he stood over me as I was getting my haircut and he was telling me all about the documentary. So it was really 
fascinating to me because I knew who he was and he was kind of taking the time to talk about his, you know, uh, a project that was, you know, he was very passionate about. Um, and he actually gave me um, uh, a copy of the movie to view before it was released. And we ended up meeting in his office and talking about it. So it was really, really quite a, a fascinating encounter and just really random chance. I could have been there an hour later, hour earlier. I never would have met him. And everything that happened since would <laughs> would not have happened. So it's pretty remarkable, the, the power of chance. You walk out of that barbershop, and two people you just mentioned is your grandparents. Tell us the correlation of how you were inspired after that meeting in your barbershop and your grandparents. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the story I heard, I was totally, uh, you know, I was... I mean, I was tingling. I mean, here uh, my arms were standing up because really I'd always looked at the Holocaust, um, you know, although my grandparents uh, survived. So I guess in that sense, they were, you know, it was really miraculous, each with their own story. Um, but, you know, the, the way that I viewed the Holocaust was always as this terrible thing. And of course, nothing has changed about that to you. But I, I, I guess I'd never really thought about um you know, the, the isolated stories of heroism, uh, people who risked their lives. And so I had never really given that any thought. And in fact, you know, whether I knew it at the time, but I sort of wasn't really conscious, was that one of my grandparents was saved by uh, Raul Wallenberg, who was a famous, very famous in his own right as a diplomat who handed out um, sort of diplomatic, um, you know, passports to save people. And so... You know, the whole notion of heroism was just that part of the Holocaust story I didn't really realize at all. So when I heard this, um, and Italy itself was in, in sort of contrast to what had happened in, in the other European countries, it was quite different experience for the Jews that were there. So it was just fascinating to hear something I didn't know and just a totally different take on what I did know. Now... Team Gino Bartoli has been created since that meeting of the barbershop and your inspiration. Tell us a little bit about your mission with that cycling team and everything that you do. Yeah, sure. So what happened was I had uh, right around that same time, I'd started to train for a charity cycling project. Um, and again, that was just sort of random chance. And when I thought about how inspiring the story was, I said, well, why don't I dedicate my ride that I'm already training for um, and use that as a way to spread the story of Gino Barkley, who was, of course, a champion cyclist. So, um, you know, around that, I said, I formed the idea of Team Gino Barkley and it initially was really just a, a social media platform where I went, you know, the more that I learned about a story, I realized it wasn't well known. And I, and especially in the um, social media was really nothing going on. And uh, in the cycling world, it was little happening, little knowledge of it. So, um, and I used that charity ride. Um, we, we made a team, Gina Barkley, you know, as part of the charity ride platform, there were a number of teams and, you know, mine was one among many. And, and we had, a couple of uh, ex-professional cyclists who kind of joined, um, 
you know, just to give it a little bit of heft. And, and we created a lot of buzz around it. And it ended up making the front page uh, in Italy's uh, newspaper, the Carriera, which is a very prominent newspaper. So, you know, that sense, the first initial uh, project that I undertook was a tremendous success in terms of just getting his story spread and getting momentum behind it. Um, and, you know, that was kind of step one. And then a number of other things followed, which I could share with you. When you hear the name Gino Bartoli, and I first read the book Road to Valor and found out a little bit more, there's so many heroic stories from the people who saved you know, one of your grandparents to what Gino did to all the members of the Allied forces. It's amazing what they did in that time frame. They put themselves out there to save others. And certainly Gino did that in his ride up and down Italy to secure the documents necessary for the Jewish people to get out of the northern part of Italy. Tell us a little bit apart. Um, you were part of a ride with Team Israel, which I, I find absolutely fascinating, retracing Gino's steps. So give us a little insight about how that trip went. Yeah, so what happened was after that initial charity ride, I thought to myself, well, you know, I, I, I'm a relative, uh, you know, I'm just one person. Uh, I'm not a, you know, prominent person in really in any sense, uh, and certainly not in the cycling community. And I thought to myself, well, it has to be a, a bigger uh, platform or somebody, you know, kind of bigger to take on this role. Uh, and I, I, I introduced myself to the Israel team. And in fact, it was fascinating. The manager, who I think you're going to interview as well, Ran Margoliot, knew knew the Barkley story. I think he shares a birthday. It was just, you know, it was just a, a instant uh, meeting of the minds about what needed to be done next. Uh, and he, he right away uh, said, you know, we should do this ride similar to what I had done, you know, sort of an honorary ride, but let's do it in Italy. Um, and, and, you know, we got to work on planning and it ended up, you know, one, I think it was March uh, of 2016, I found myself on a plane for the first time in many years. I'd never been to Italy. Um, and, you know, there I was uh, on the ground with a professional cycling team, which itself seemed crazy to me because I, you know, nowhere near that caliber um, but we we went to the um, you know we visited the Barclay Museum uh, in Florence, which is very worth you know it's really a worthy trip to do if you're in that area. Um, it has his old bikes, his old shirts, his old um, you know newspaper clippings. It's really well. It's a really nice museum. And um, you know there I am on the road. We got to the first hill. I got dropped right away. It was, you know, it was an experience. I mean, I, I was, I, it, it was funny because, you know, I, I was already in the process of changing my life. I was training hard for the ride, but you, know, you can't make up in, you know, six months, you know, for years of, uh, you know, catching up on years of fitness that these these cyclists have. So, um, but it, it was, it was a very emotional, you know, just. You know, the Italy is this romance, and it, you know, really is that way. I mean, everything looks uh, the way that you see it on the postcards. The whole the whole country is like a postcard, and you know, there we were riding on these roads, and you know, we think we went, um, we stopped in this small town. We met we met an old timer who used to be on his uh, uh, who was a mechanic for one of his racing teams, and he was 
you know, really knowledgeable and really excited to share what he knew. Um, and then we ended up in the city of Assisi, which is just a beautiful city. It's uh, the birthplace of St. Francis. Um, and, you know, it's full of churches and it's really magnificent looking. Um, and, you know, we rolled in at night and we were exhausted and the whole trip was uh, just one of these memories I'll just never, never, ever forget. When you were rolling into Assisi for finishing that trip, how did you feel? Uh, but, you know, by that point, I was already in the, in the car. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't riding anymore. But, but, but it, you know, the city, I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, you know, the beauty of the city from miles away, it's up on a hill. And you could see it from 20 miles out. Uh, and there's magnificent walls and just it was really I didn't know where to look first and you know we had uh, we had some reporters with us they were doing some interviews of some of the cyclists and, and you know we, we were all exhausted and it was just um, uh, you know here, here, here you know here we were and it was you know it was really at the end of a very tiring day to be able to retrace his steps and like you said, to go to the museum in Florence and to talk to people, the bike mechanics that were involved, it's pretty incredible, those stories. And they are life-changing and remarkable moments. And when you're able to do something like that, it sticks with you for the rest of your life. It's like a foundation that just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really we, we redid the ride the next year and we, uh, we spent more time in Assisi the second year, which was 2017, and we realized that there was a museum there that we hadn't visited because we arrived too late, and we learned a lot more about you know what had happened in Assisi that was really separate, you know, combined but also separate from the Barclay story, which um, you know there were a number of church leaders that were involved in in um, in hiding Jews in Assisi that had nothing really to do with Barclay, and so. You know, for me, it wasn't only Barkley. It was kind of the big picture of other people, you know, that had saved Jews in Italy. And also yeah. kind of, you know, I've been paying much more attention in general to that the side of the heroism um, and, you know, what lessons that could be learned and taught about kind of standing up in the face of evil. When Cardinal Della Costa called Gino to his headquarters to start the team of underground people to help save others. Like you said, we know about Gino, but there's so many other people, like you said, church leaders, printing people who are printing the documents, just amazing people that went, put their lives on the line and, and really will make an impact for forever. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I think there's something you can ask Eileen about, but, you know, I believe in her book, you know, Gino really didn't, I, I think he's quoted, if I'm not mistaken, um, saying that he didn't want to talk about, you know, this was true. He didn't really like to talk about what he had done. In fact, he kept it really quiet. But, he, you know, one of the reasons, I believe, is that he said that he didn't want his, because he was a famous person, that his acts should overshadow, you know, what others had done that were equally heroic. Um, and they wouldn't get the glory because they're not famous like he was. So, you know, that's how I try. I try to keep that in my mind is that really if people learn his story, but just really as a gateway to learning about the whole concept of heroism and that there are others. And, you know, while his story is so glamorous because he was such a well-known uh, cyclist, um, 
and and so it was so unusual, you know, the smuggling of the documents and the bike and all. But you know, there there is much more to learn about others too. So I, I, you know, don't limit myself to what I learn and what I try to spread. It's it's a great mindset and. Gino, he received something called the Righteous Among Nations honor. And I know this is a tremendous honor. And we were just speaking about, you know, a lot of people who made an impact, but he received this honor. Tell our audience about the significance of this distinction. So there, there is an organization called Yad Vashem in Israel, um, which, which um, I think was, you know, created after World War II, after the Holocaust. And and this is uh, what they're uh, set up to do, which is to take into account um, these kinds of stories um, of heroism, of people that saved Jews during during that period of time. And they do a rigorous um, analysis uh, of the evidence that's submitted. Um, and and when, when that, you know, honor or award is given out, it signifies, uh, you know, the merits of of, of the actions that were taken. And if you go, you know, online, there's thousands of people and, and I've read through, you know, some, you can't read all, but I've read through, uh, selective stories in each one. It's just, you read them and you just can't believe, um, can't believe the stories. And, and again, in contrast, it's not to say that, um, you know, the Holocaust is kind of balanced between evil and good. That's not at all to say that, but it really, it really shines a spotlight on, on what is what is the behavior, the proper behavior in the face of evil. And certainly uh, Gino and his team and, and so many people and the Allied forces all stepped up to uh, defeat evil during that time. And you bring out so many great characteristics. We talk about humility, teamwork. It could be applied in any facet of life, whether it's sports, business, personal life, whatever that is. But you posted some great articles in, uh, on LinkedIn. And one of the articles, you talk about four characteristics, and they're vision, courage, passion, and persistence. How do you apply this mindset with Team Gino Bartoli to help make a positive impact on others? Yeah, sure. I, I, what I've tried to do is uh, use what I've um, kind of the experiences that I've had in cycling and, and, um, you, you know, write, write about that. And I've written some and I have more, more that I intend to, to write about, but these are sort of characteristics that, you know, that you, that you can use in life and you can use it in business. And, you know, the article that you referenced, I've been writing about the Israeli team, which is kind of a really, um, you know, it's an interesting story because Israel is a small country, uh, doesn't have a tremendous cycling culture. Um, and one of the things that I, one of the experiences that I had in spending time with them is just the admiration for what the people involved in that team had accomplished in forming a team from scratch uh, without having, you know, a cycling culture. So you really have to have, you know, a lot of a lot of courage to do that, um, a lot of passion, a lot of persistence, and of course, you know, the vision. It's easy to have a vision, right? Um, to, to say that you're going to be, to make a successful cycling team, you know, that's kind of dreamlike, but the, the execution of it, you know, takes these characteristics. And so um, that was my, you know, um, salute to them when they made it into the Giro d'Italia, which is really a tremendous accomplishment and within a few years of the founding of the team to kind of highlight that the, these characteristics are things that I would like to have in my life as I build a business, as I go through life, 
um, to do to do better in those areas. And you mentioned the Giro d'Italia. Tell us where that started this year and the significance of that. Yeah, so w- w- one of the things that, that was, you know, a thread in, in the whole timeline, and, and Rand will, will share much more because he, he really, you know, got it done, which was the, the ride. There is certainly a, a thread between the ride that I did. Um, then afterwards, I, I met Eileen McConnell and, you know, many others that were involved in the Barclay story. Uh, and then the ride that we did in Italy, and then, you know, the connection with trying to bring the Giro to Israel. Uh, finally, the Giro, you know, did start in Israel. And the significance is, um, you know, certainly from a Barclay perspective, is that it allowed, um, uh, you know, on a worldwide stage, while the media attention was focused on the, on the cycling race, it allowed for a number of uh, things to happen that shed you know, a, po- a positive light on the Bartley story um, and brought it much more attention than it, it would have otherwise gotten. So a stage that started in Jerusalem, uh, which was the first stage of the Giro, uh, just for the audience to know, there were, the Giro has never started outside the European continent, so coming to Israel was a tremendous uh, step. Um, and, of course, the final stage was in Rome, so there was you know, a religious undertone too. the first stage in Jerusalem and the last stage in, in Rome. Um, but also, you know, it was, a, it was a, uh, an opportunity for people to see Israel in a different light. Um, and there was a Barclay event in Jerusalem and there was a Barclay event in Italy in Assisi. So all of those things combined really, uh, both from a Barclay perspective and from a connection between the two countries was, was really meaningful. It transcends the race itself. Obviously, that's important. And there's a lot of people who train long and hard to be successful at that race. But the significance of what you stated and the people involved define everything that's good in sports. Yeah, yeah. And the sport of cycling has has its uh, definitely has had its dark side in terms of uh, in terms of um, performance scandals and, and the like. Um, you know, that's a shame, but. Um, you know, this, this story is a really a nice side, for sure. You talk about the sport of cycling, and another article, which I'm going to link those in our show notes, is you talk about the Peloton. What's the importance of that for teamwork and sports and in life? And maybe some of us who aren't as familiar with cycling, give us the significance of what the Peloton means. Yeah, so I, I described it in the article. So Peloton is just a, a big group of cyclists riding together. And, and just from the physics of it, uh, the group riding together is able to go much faster um, just from a reduction. You know, if the first person cracks the air open and everybody behind them is just kind of what's called drafting. Um, and I experienced that last week when uh, I was engaged in a charity ride, and I was riding with some ex-pros, and, and I looked down at my um, bike computer, and the speeds were just, you know, my eyes popped out because we were going we were going really, really fast, and I certainly can't achieve that on my own. But uh, but, but with, with that, it, it um, and t- you know, sometimes I train in, in groups also, and with that, you see that. Um, you know, one of the insights that I had about the sport of cycling was this idea of teamwork and that um, when you're riding in a group or a pace line, you have a rotation where one person sits at the front for 30 seconds or a minute uh, and then they, they fall back and the next person takes over and sort of it, it rotates around. So th- this idea that 
um, you know, in teamwork, there's different roles and different times people take, uh, you know, put on a bigger effort and then they kind of rest. So it, it, you know, it requires coordination, requires trust because you're, you're riding wheel to wheel. So there's a lot of elements to it that made me realize that, um, you know, the, the role of teamwork in, in business, the role of teamwork in life, and it gave me a much a much greater appreciation of the whole concept. Certainly when you're at those speeds, um, must be an interesting feeling. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really no, um, it's hard to describe, uh, you know, the great feelings you have, you know, from engaging in cycling yourself. And that's what was so shocking to me is that, you know, for all the years, except maybe as a kid, you know, it, it's one of those things that take you back to, if you've ever rode a bike as a kid, pretty much everybody does. And it's just that thrill, that freedom, the wind in your hair, the, you know, the feeling of pushing your body and, and all of those things. And then kind of, you forget that as a, you know, when you grow up, you forget that that's, that's what makes life great. And so taking it up again as a, as a, you know, in my forties, it really, I was able to kind of relive my childhood and have those great, <laughs> have those great feelings. And, and, um, you know, and it's a healthy, it's a healthy endeavor. It's a healthy drug and, you know, you get all the endorphins of exercise, and, but it, there's something magical about the speeds and the, and the feeling of freedom, the ability to travel long distance. Um, uh, it's really special sports. And you mentioned you just recently finished a, a race for a great cause. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So th- this is, um, th- the charity is called Bike for High, and this is a New York based charity which raises money to send kids to, uh, that have, um, you know, really serious illnesses, um, to summer camp. During that time, they're able to, to be, you know, to have a life of joy and kind of forget their problems. And so, it's turned into a, um, quite a, a big fundraiser. I mean, this year we raised close to $10 million, of which I had only a, a very small piece. But w- w- essentially every uh, rider is, is obligated to raise a minimum, and many raise far more than that. And so it, it's, but it's, it became to me as I saw it, and I wrote an article about it, that it's much more than, than a, it's much more than just raising money for charity. It's kind of, unifying with a whole bunch of people towards a common cause. Um, and also it's very emotional because you, the ride, which takes place over two days and covers 180 miles. And, you know, I think we ended up doing about 12,000 feet of climbing. Uh, so it's a, it's a really a tremendous physical challenge, but also we finished the ride in a uh, summer camp, which is the beneficiary of the proceeds that we're raising or able to see and meet the kids and celebrate with them. So, it really became uh, something that had a tremendous impact on my life where I realized the, um, uh, you know, what charity does and what energy can do, you know, when a bunch of people come together to do something significant. So, you know, with everything, again, with everything that I do with cycling, I try to be thoughtful about what, what am I learning from doing this and how is this uh, changing my life? And I was able to see, you know, how much gratitude I should have for the blessings, uh, the goodness that, you know, we each have in our own lives. And when you see little kids, uh, I, you know, the article I wrote was called An Angel Made Me Cry, because when I rode into the camp, 
you know, there was this little kid in a wheelchair who put a medal around my neck for, you know, completing the ride. And he had this huge smile on his face. And uh, I just broke down in tears because for me, it was he was celebrating my achievements. And I was looking at him, you know, that he was full of life and, and full of joy and uh, full of gratitude, even though, you know, his physical condition was challenging to say the least um so you know i flipped it around and it's really an attitude of how do you look at life and he was full of joy and how do i look at life you know do i have the same you know the same perspective that he does so you know that was quite quite a lesson um, to learn through what you just said that's the definition of carrying on gino's legacy helping others finding that joy for those kids and, and those kids define the courage, strength, and toughness, just like the people who were persecuted during World War II, the Jewish people, just like the allied forces who showed the courage, strength, and toughness. And just like you and your team, I'm totally, I'm almost speechless right now about what you just said. And you and your team are truly carrying on Gino's legacy. Well, thank you. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure I feel worthy of that level, but but you know I, I've I've tried to uh, I've tried to that that was what I set out to do was to you know inject goodness and, and spread a good message and you know through that bring attention to Gino's story and um, you know the world is full of so much uh, negativity uh, unfortunately and you know this is this was my way of doing something positive and you know wait till you talk to Rand you'll 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 hear you'll hear a lot more uh on you know what he's done and and what the team has done in, in the last year with with the Giro we're definitely excited for that and as we finish up the interview i always like to use a sports analogy so right now we're going to be in the last stage of the Giro di Italia and my my first question is what are your goals for the future so I mean, at this point, you know, I, I started to feel like I had done what I can, right? I didn't write a biography. I didn't, you know, really my, you know, my activities were limited in, in just making the story come alive a little bit and spreading attention. Um, but, you know, really, um, projects find me. And there are a few interesting things in the works, Um uh, I think we're going to work on a ride for next year, something even bigger than what we've been doing. Um, I, I can't talk too much about it at this point. Um, and, and, and there's another project that I also can't talk too much about. But to the extent to the extent that um, you know people need me in some way, you know, uh, in regards to anything that's related, I'm here again. I, I'm not creating any anything new, but um, if there are events uh, or people that want to connect to the story, you know, people have found me on the internet, want to, want to ride that route, I give them advice. Uh, I'm always available um, for questions and things like that. And you you never know, projects find me. Not by accident that the projects find you, Jonathan. Not, not at all. Yeah. 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 Um, A question that I like to ask every one of our guests, it's a, it's a fun question. It's, any sports event that you like to attend in any location, who is participating and playing and who are you going to that event with? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think well, one funny thing was if I could time travel back because the, the, 
you know, the cycling races of the, of that era in the thirties, forties and fifties just had a very different meaning because kind of everybody owned a bike. So the, the popularity of the sport was a whole different level. Uh, what it wasn't, um, kind of the, com- the same fragmentation of the sports and, and the attention towards sports that there is today. Um, but you know, I, I, I would say, uh, the tour de France is definitely, definitely something, um, on on the list to do once in a lifetime, you know, to part to attend one of those, you know, that race. I, as I said, I've been to the Giro, um, and then for myself, I'd love to go back to Italy again, and, and or Italy and or France, and ride some of those same mountains and uh, that they do in those big and those big tours, because those that's sort of like hitting a baseball in Yankee Stadium, you know, to ride one of those big climbs. So that that would be on my bucket list for sure. What would you like to leave our audience with today? I would say the idea of the idea of positivity um, is something that's been on my mind. Um, you know, the general environment has gotten so contentious with people just argue and social media, and and so I, I, I've I've tried in my own life to you know to tune some of that out and look for look for common ground, look for the good in the stories that you see. Um, be a force for good, um, you know, even if not in the big world and just in terms of your own, in the sphere that you travel in towards your family, towards your community. Um, and, and I, I, I believe that that's, that's, uh, something the world needs today. We're, we're also overcome with, with, uh, with negativity. And where can we find more information on you and team Gino Bartoli? So I'm I'm on social media, um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all under, you know, at Team Gino Bartley. Um, I'm available on LinkedIn also. There, it's been more, much more, you know, I, I've been writing a series of articles about the lessons you can learn from cycling. Like the next one I'm trying to tackle is the subject of fear. Uh, and the analogy is when you go downhill at high speeds, uh, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. Um, that's obviously you have to overcome fear and that's equivalent to tackling anything in life that you're afraid of, you know, whether it's big or small, we all have our challenges. So just trying to lay out, uh, some of those thoughts for myself. I take, I, I love to read what I wrote to remind myself, you know, how to, how to grow, how to, how to improve. Um, so to the extent anybody enjoys reading it, uh, that's a plus, but that's, that's my goal for the next year is to keep writing. One characteristic that stands out with, with Gino was his humility. And that same characteristic is reflected in your work. In all of our correspondence, you, you always gave the credit to others. You, you were never about yourself. You always gave the credit to others. And in those writings that you mentioned, you speak about being true to your word and the importance of honesty. You are truly carrying on the legacy of Gino Bartoli with your team through the work and everything that you do. Congratulations, Jonathan. Thank you for taking the time today and continued success. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I love your the idea of your podcast. And I look forward and I wish you much success. I love the idea. And uh, keep, keep going. You've got something special. Thank you. Gino did not talk much about what he and his team did to help save others. That same humility is reflected in Jonathan's work and his writings. He spoke about having vision, courage, passion, and persistence, and those are represented through Team Gino Bartoli. 
It was an honor to discuss Gino with Jonathan today. We thank him for coming on the show. We thank you for joining us. We appreciate the time you took to listen and to support our game plan. If you like what you heard, pass the link on to a family member or friend. And if you have an iPhone, please leave a review on the podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. To find the show, visit iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also visit us on our website, foundationsofsports.com, Twitter, Foundation Sport, and Instagram and LinkedIn, at Foundations of Sports. We will see you next week, and as always, best to you, 